It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny LaRue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. This continues the Locked On Podcast Network's position week, and so I'm choosing to do that by going through all five positions, and you can listen to the prior ones. I did point guard solo, shooting guards with Sam Vecini, small forwards with Anthony Slater, and then this is power forwards with the one and only Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post, and was a lot of fun. This is a, a really interesting group. We get into some kind of bigger ideas towards the end in terms of how all of this works, but Draymond Green, David West, Kavon Looney. We focus on them. Some could argue James Michael McAdoo fits in this, but I end up talking about him more in the center category. I also feel that he's more of a center than a power forward in the NBA. So the conversation runs about 43 minutes. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I hope I hope I'm right. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, man. Happy, uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here, as always. So I've been thinking about how to talk about Draymond for a while because, you know, doing the power forward thing. And a question I think is a good place to start is, is he one of the best players in the league that probably would not be the best? Like, if he was the best player on a team, the team probably wouldn't be elite. Like, he's an incredibly good player, bona fide star, but just right at that cusp. I think that's a really good way to describe him. I actually, um, I actually am in the middle of putting together a top 100 list. Uh, I haven't looked at the Sports Illustrated one, even though uh, Rob Mahoney and, and Ben Golliver are both real good dudes, and I, I, they do a great job with every year. But I purposely haven't looked at it because I don't want to try to copy what other people did. I'm trying to think about it independently. And I, I had Draymond, I think, like somewhere around like 15, maybe 15th or 16th, which uh, was probably a little lower than maybe I initially thought. But I, I think, I think. The way you described him is kind of exactly how he ended up there for me. Like, Draymond is, is the perfect, he's like the ultimate glue guy. Like, if you have, like, Draymond, Draymond can fill in any hole on a team, basically, you need. He can, as he proved last year, he can, can handle the ball. Um, he can pass the ball. He can, he can score it a little bit if you need him to. He's obviously a fantastic defensive player. He can guard any position. Um, so, like, his best skill is that he can kind of do what you need him to. But if Draymond was, say, on, I don't know, the Kings, right? Like, say you swapped out him and DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know if Draymond would be able to take that team and lift it up to a, a higher level. Um, Draymond's part, DeMarcus is probably a bad example because he's obviously also a terrific player. But uh, I just don't know if, like you said, I, I don't know if Draymond's skill set allows it would allow him to be the, the you know the number one guy and like the go-to guy because he's his, his skill set for as great as he is is almost perfectly built to be a supporting guy and to fill in everywhere which is why i think on this warriors team you know you look at their their you know if they have that you know quote-unquote death line about their whatever we're calling it now um when you have him out there with andre Godala to go with steph Clay and, and, and Kevin Durant, you know, Iguodala and, and Draymond are kind of the perfect guys to have there because they both both are guys that in theory don't need to shoot and don't really need the ball. So then you can have those other three guys shoot as much as they want and, and Draymond and, and Andre can kind of fill in the gaps. And so 
Um, so yeah, I think I think the way you described him there is kind of you know a guy that you know for as great as he is might not be a guy that's uh, that's really would be best suited as the number one guy on a team. I think is a I think a good way to look at it. Yeah, there's a weird parallel to where we all kind of perceived of Kawhi Leonard before this past season, where we, we all kind of thought Kawhi was that guy, and then he improved a lot offensively. You know, all of a sudden he became a really good three-point shooter, which is something Draymond can still do, and he was able to shoulder a heavier offensive load. But until you prove that, I mean, Kawhi is the exception rather than the rule. Like, usually those guys can't step it up in the way that he did. And if Draymond proved that, you know, I'm open to that possibility. But his game is so... I think- Go ahead. No, I was just going to I know I was just going to say I, I think the difference between and you're totally right about uh, that's a great comp with Kawhi. Um I think Kawhi is a little more dynamic of a ball handler than right. Draymond. Though. Like I I don't know if like Draymond's a great passer and and it is it can obviously I mean he proved last year more assistant staff like he can clearly set guys up, but I don't think that like if you isoed Draymond, I don't think Draymond's going to be getting to the rim and scoring on guys the way that like Kawhi was able to turn into and you know, I I do I, like if he if he if Draymond be, came back and was able to do that. I mean, that would that would even uh, that would exceed. You know, I guess he would just be the latest example of him proving everybody wrong. But um, yeah, I just I I, I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just thinking about it as you were saying it. Like it's a great comp, and uh, you know, then again, before this year, we didn't really think Kawhi could do that. So so maybe. Maybe Draymond will prove me wrong about the, the the athleticism part and be able to get by guys enough to do that. Well, and I like the Draymond-Kawhi duality because it also gets into some of the idea of defensive value because they're probably the two best defenders in the league right now. Part of that is because there isn't that dominant all-around big man defender because now that Tim Duncan is more limited than, you know, now that he's retired, but even last year then he was more limited than he was before. And it's right. a lot of it is about personal preference. Like I'm one of those kind of, you could call it old school guys who, while I fetishize big man defense, I really do. Having somebody like Kawhi who can, you can put them on your best player and they're a blanket. Like that sort of an idea is still something that I gravitate towards. And Draymond is wonderful. He's one of the best instinctive defenders I've seen. He does just about everything right. You know, he's a great rebounder. He has good hands for steals. He isn't that guy. And so I think if you can't fit in either archetype, so if you're not that, you know, center, that defensive anchor, whether you want to think about somebody like, you know, like Matumbo or Ben Wallace, you know, like somebody in that mold who's doing a lot of different things. I love that perimeter stopper. And the irony of all ironies with it is that that makes Kawhi super valuable against the Warriors because you can put him on Durant and he'll do a better job than anybody in the league. Yes. No, that, that's very true. And, and, and I think, you know, especially the way the game has gone now and, you know, with the, the kind of the, the, you can't really hand check on the perimeter. Um, you can't, you, you can't do some of the stuff you used to be able to, you know, I think it has kind of highlighted those perimeter guys in a way that they weren't before. You know, it used to be that, you know, you, you really needed to have that, you know, that monster big guy who was at the rim, like, like Matumbo, you know, knocking down shots and, uh, you know, are knocking away shots and, and really being that anchor back there. But now you look at, like, you look at guys like Tony Allen, right, or like Kawhi and, and some of these other guys that, you know, in this in this era where it is a little more open, um, the play's a little more open and things are going up and down, you know, some of those guys that can that can fill that role on the perimeter and, and give a guy like Durant trouble have gotten a little more credit and respect than maybe they would have, you know, in the past. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And what Draymond does bring is he could end up being, and probably should end up being, the template for what a new era big man should be defensively. You know, like, if I were to tell Tom Thibodeau to have Carl Towns watch film, the guy who I would have be having him watch film of defensively is Draymond at center with those death lineups. Because that is right. that is where you want to go, and his ability to switch on to other people, which used to be something that didn't really matter that much, because it's just not a situation that presented itself. But now, with the league's reliance on pick and roll, and their knowledge of how to handle it, and point guards being so much smarter, because they just get so many more reps in those situations, having a big man who can do more than hedge, who can actually credibly cover that guy, more like what Akeem was able to do, like that is a right. really special thing. And Draymond is able to do that without fully sacrificing some of the other traditional big man stuff. When he's a center, his rim protection is is solid. You know, it's not Rudy Gobert, it's not Hassan Whiteside, but it's very good. And that switching is something that allows this defense to work and also fits in so well with the other players. So when you're thinking of a team defense concept, instead of having the center be a separate piece of that, like let's say Marcus Gasol on the Grizzlies, they can be a piece. Right. They can be a piece of the puzzle that's making everybody better. Right. It's kind of. It's. It's also. You know. Kind of the. You know. Ben Wallace is a good. Is a good guy to to come up with for this because he was kind of. I think the beginning of some of the transition for that. Right. Because he was such an athletic freak that, like, even though the game was a little different then, I think he was one of the first guys that was really capable of of switching out a little bit on uh, on some of these smaller guys. And then I, you know, I think Dwight Howard really proved for a while that. Um, that that he like when he was at his peak, you know, peak Dwight back in like 2009 when they got to the finals and in 10 and 11, like that was that was stuff that Dwight was doing. Not only was he a monster at the rim, but he was able like when those Magic teams would, you know, they they could switch him onto just about anybody in the league, and at least for a minute or two, he could he could stay with them, um, despite being a despite being you know six ten and whatever he was, 275 pounds. And yeah, no, the fact that Draymond. The fact that Draymond can do all those things and so handle the ball and do all that stuff is, you know, he really is the reason that those death lineups work. I mean, if you didn't have, you know, when you're going to try to play small, the only way you can play small is if you have a big that can play big, even if he's playing small. And and Draymond is kind of the ultimate example of that. That yeah, I, I think that the the point that a lot of people have lost in the shuffle with why these lineups work so well for the Warriors is that traditionally you have to make choices. You know, when you're choosing to go small or big. Yep. You have to do that, yep. and I, I think back to like what Jim Barnett and other people have said when they, he like when he was I think it was when he was on the Celtics that they used to play smalls versus bigs, and the smalls would always win. But the reason that you don't do that is because you usually have to make sacrifices. You know, there are things that you lose by doing that, and because you can play both guys, you know, you don't have to do smalls versus bigs. You end up with that sort of a balance. And what Draymond and an underrated part of Harrison Barnes's game was was that they could function in those lineups similar to a big player handle big players, and then completely exploit them on the other end. And so yep. that that ability to not have to choose is what makes them special. And really, when you look through the history of the NBA, that general idea of avoiding a choice that you used to always have to make is a hallmark of all the great players. I mean, Steph Curry's another example of this, having a guy who is really good with the ball in his hands, but is also the best ca- the best catch-and-shoot guy in the league right now and the best pull-up shooter in the history of the league like he provides something that you don't have to choose LeBron you know he's six foot nine when he was in his defensive prime could guard anybody and could run your offense you know like and Draymond is certainly not of their caliber but any player who is enough of a freak to make some of those 
otherwise like mutually exclusive choices possible is somebody that's incredibly valuable. No, I totally agree. But I don't think he ever got enough credit for making those lineups work. Like, for example, um, I was at the game in Memphis this year, right before, I think it was the game before the, it was the game before the Spurs game, uh, right at the end of the season. And, you know, Memphis was, was, was up most of that game. The crowd was into it. And I remember there were multiple trips in the fourth quarter when the, the Grizzlies threw the ball to Zebo, Zach Randolph, down in the post, and he couldn't really back down Harrison Barnes. And, I mean, if you would, if you would think of anybody is going to be able to back anybody down in the league, it's going to be, you know, Zebo going up against a combo forward. And, you know, Harrison Barnes' ability to really play, be a solid defensive body down in the low post, as well as being able to be on the perimeter. You know, it really was an underrated piece for them. And obviously, look, getting the rant is crazy. You want to try to exploit the weaknesses of your opponent as much as possible. And if you have a, if you have a way to attack the other team without having the can attack you. I mean, that's the whole. That's the whole essence of what you're trying to do, and that was the beauty of that Warriors lineup. They had two guys in in Barnes and and, and Draymond who could both guard in the post and both be on the perimeter. And so you could play five out on the one end on offense, and then come down on defense and have two guys on the block and be okay. And that that was what made that group so special, even you know, irrespective of all the incredible stuff that, that guys like Curry and Clay could do when they get hot. It's the fact that they had that, that, that versatility at both ends, and particularly to go big on defense, being in and do all the same stuff is why it should remain that way. Yeah, and while Duran is clearly a superior player to Harrison Barnes, and what we saw last year in the playoffs, his defensive ceiling is incredibly high. You know, he was better in the series against the Spurs and the series against the Warriors than I'd ever seen him. He's good in a different way. And it will be, they'll be asking him to do quite a bit with, with those lineups, which is part of the reason why I don't expect them to use it very often, partially because especially in the regular season, they won't need to, you know, like that, that's a big part of it. And, and also just because it's a very different thing, you know, like Harrison be partially because of his smaller role, also probably partially because it was the team he went up with. He, you know, he was drafted with Draymond and with now departed Festus Azili. I think that he embraced that in a way that it's harder for a bona fide MVP candidate to do. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think, I think the other thing too, and this kind of goes back to, you know, this kind of goes with the other guy you wanted to talk about um, today, specifically David West, is that, you know, the Warriors also, I think, are going to try to limit the wear and tear on these guys, I think, as much as they can. I mean, for as good as it is to have Draymond play at center, I think the less you have to have him do it and bang on guys is probably for the better. Um, you know, Draymond's a guy that probably isn't going to age the greatest, you wouldn't think. He's a smaller guy. Um, he's kind of a rugged player. Um, you know, it, 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 he's probably he's, – he's, he plays a pretty physically demanding style. Like, you don't – so you want to try to – you know, limit the amount of time you got to go up to 11 and really, you know, deploy that lineup as, as, as possible. So, you know, I think with guys like David West, with guys like Zaza Pachulia, you know, if they can at some point get, uh, I believe it's Damian, uh, Damian Jones, their first round pick out of Vanderbilt, if they could, you know, eventually get him back from this pec injury he suffered uh, during the summer and, and have him be able to play a few minutes, maybe throw, you know, even though 
I'm not a fan of his game at this point. Maybe throw Barrage out there for a little bit. If they can, if they can try to soak up as many minutes as they can, uh, you know, at that center spot, then they can keep Draymond at power forward and, and Durant at small forward and kind of not, you know, not put any extra burden on those guys. And then when it really, you know, if they get in a position where they really need to do it in game, then they can, you know, bring it out for four or five minutes and, and most likely overwhelm the other team and win. So, um, It'll it will be interesting to see how much they use that lineup and uh, and how how that translates forward to um, you know how much they how much they're willing to to put any wear and tear on those guys as the regular season progresses. And what makes it even crazier for this Warriors team is that the open question of whether they'll even trot it out in like the first round of the playoffs. You know, like are they going to be good enough at that point? If they're healthy, which is of course a huge question, sure. to to not have to do it, you know, like I agree with you in the regular season, it's going to be the equivalent of a break glass in case of emergency, like that. That's what it's going to be. Right. Draymond has said that it, it takes it takes something out of him, as you would expect. You know, it makes sense, and Durant will surely say the same. You know, like that's something that's going yeah. To I mean, there's a reason there's a reason guys don't play up all the time, right? In terms of like up a up a position, like in the parlance, I guess that means like. You know, a, a small forward would be a go to power forward, a power forward would go to center. Like, you know, that's that's what playing small is. And you know, the reason it's called playing small is because you have, like you said earlier, when you're talking about the, you know, Barnett talking about the his days with the Celtics, it's the smallest playing the bigs, and so it's always going to be harder for a smaller guy to guard a bigger guy, just just by the physics of it. Yeah, and even though we are seeing more smaller guys play up, you know, we're seeing more threes at the four, there's still enough Zebos in the world to punish you for doing that, and that's even more true at center, where you have guys right. like Stephen Adams. I mean, hell, there's, al- there's almost too many centers now. <laughs> there are too many centers now. Are. Yeah, and, and so I, yeah. Think, I, I think that, that, and that also ties in with the idea of how special Draymond is, is that he is able to make it so you don't have to make those kind of choices and sacrifices, you know, that even though there are a ton of good centers in the league, he is able to do enough there to make it work. And there are a lot of fours that people would want to try at center that just wouldn't be able to bridge that gap. And, you know, they would, they would have yep. flaws that would be more, they'll be more exploited, but Draymond to his immense credit is able to do it. No, I totally agree. And that, and that, you know, that is why Carl Towns is such a, an intriguing prospect. Cause we were both at that game when the Warriors lost to them back in, uh, back in April. And, and, you know, for all the greatness of Draymond, and I'm not diminishing him at all when I say this, Carl Towns destroyed him in that game. And it was absolutely incredible to watch. And you look at that guy as a rookie, you know, just terrorizing, you know, one of the two best defensive players in the league and just being big enough and quick enough to, to kind of negate those advantages that Draymond has. And you, you kind of just sit there and go, man, in a couple of years, you know, I already think that I already think Carl Towns is a top ten player in the league, but you you wait, you know, think two years ahead when he's really entering his prime, and I mean, you're just gonna you're just gonna be talking about an utterly unstoppable guy because he he's one of the guys. Like he's not only is he an actual center, he's quick enough to to kind of negate the stuff that makes Draymond so special. So, um, but yeah, no, that that's why that's what makes Draymond. You know, go back to your very first question. That's what makes Draymond makes Draymond so unique is that he has all these supporting skills that allow everybody around him to play better which is a which is a pretty unique skill set to have yeah it is and I, i'm cringing a little bit because that was actually one of the only games last year i missed 
I was up at Portland for the Hoop Summit, so I watched it oh, on TV. Right. I watched that's it on right. TV. We were at the Hoop Summit. Yeah, that's and right. it, it, kill, it kills that. me a little bit inside, especially because I had previously fought with Nate that I'm like, oh, we should we should go to that game, and then we should go up afterwards. But it was the reason that it all shifted was because of the Spurs game, which was next. And so it's like, well, we want yes, to go up to the Hoop right. Summit before. But yeah, Towns is right. incredible. He He's going to set the league on fire because he not only has this preternatural skill but he also has the desire to get better. I mean, we saw him improve a lot over the course of the season, and that's something oh, that, you, that you really want to see so in those type of guys. But we'll move on to David so West, good. but I think this makes sense as, as a thing because part of why I like David West for this team, beyond the fact that he's a very good basketball player, is that he works as a way of kind of bridging those gaps, especially if you play him fewer minutes, because while he is a power forward, that's what he played for the Pacers in his best years, he could dance a little bit at center with this team, especially if it's next to Draymond Green. Oh, for sure. And he can just play center anyway. I mean, he's not a great rim protector, but David West is as strong as an ox, and uh, he can he can body with any, any center in the league, so... Um, so I think he's, he's probably the best backup center right now. I, mean, I think he'll play a lot of minutes there because they'll play Durant at power forward when they uh, – I imagine Durant, Durant will be kind of the anchor of their second unit um, and, and doing it most likely at power forward. And then they'll you know, play him with West or, or maybe have you know, another swing guy out there with them. But um, I also think that West is going to be a, a really good guy to have in that locker room to kind of keep things in check. You know, David West is – is probably the toughest player in the NBA. He he kind of reminds me of Charles Oakley, like uh, from from you know back in when we were kids watching the league. Like Oakley was a guy that was just kind of the ultimate tough guy, and he had the respect of every single player around the league, and you know whether people liked him or not. And David West in the same way. I mean, David West he's a boxer, and he he's just a no nonsense tough guy that has universal respect. And you look you look at this Warriors team. I mean, last year there was some stuff that cropped up with Draymond here and there, and you know, maybe his ego got a little out of control at times. And um, just if there's any kind of stuff like that going on, you know, if David West stands up and tells you to fight down, I don't think that anybody's going to back down from him or is going to stand up to him, even even including Draymond, because like David West is just as tough as they come. And I, I think that's a good presence to have, especially when you're going to have a team with, you know, a bunch of big star, big name star players on it. And you, you've got a lot of, a lot of guys there. I mean, it, it's a similar role to the one I think Udonis Haslam played with the Heat, where he's a similar guy. Where there, there's, you know, Udonis is another power forward, you know, from Miami, a real gritty, tough guy, and you know, had the respect of everybody on that team for being a grinder. And and I think that that having a guy like David West on this team. You know, I think it'll be a really positive influence just as much off the court as it will be on. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And it is important to think about those kind of dynamics as well, because it's a really long season. Inevitably, even a team as good as this one will go through some hard times and will have have issues of various sorts. And to have people who can be stabilizing. Fact, there, were, there were issues last year on a team that won 73 and 9, right? right? And, and, and they're different. You know, co- they're no, different. no NBA team is cool. No NBA team is kumbaya all the time. No, how good they are for sure. And and he's a different kind of voice than somebody, let's say, like Barbosa, who tried to keep things light and everything like that. But it's good to have a variety as well, and it's good to have a lot of different people who come with their own experience. And I, I think also, assuming he can do it, having Kerr around more regularly will help because he can he can help do that a little bit differently. I mean, it gets totally lost in the shuffle because of everything that happened. But the Warriors went through an absolutely crazy circumstance with their head coach missing half the season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff that happened last year. And I, and I think, 
you know, I, I think to, to your point, like if you're, um, you know, it, it's just good to have, like that's, that's, I think that's a big reason why Mike Brown is, is replaced Luke Walton as the, uh, as the lead assistant coach. Not that, not that they expect, um, not that they expect Steve to miss any time or anything like that. But if, if there does come a point where, you know, he needs to take a little break, all of a sudden you've got, um, you've got David West there in the locker room and you've got, you've got Mike Brown, um, who's a guy who has been a head coach in multiple places and gotten a team to a finals and, and it has been around the block. You know, you, you want to have those guys that have kind of been there and done that and that you can, you can lean on if you need to. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean they expect they have to, but it's just good, it's good to have those kind of personalities around, um, along with guys like Barajow and, and Sean Livingston and some, you know, just some decent, you know, decent guys to keep the mood light. Like you just, it's good to have that kind of mix to try to balance things out as you're going through the course of a, a long 82 game season and then a couple months of playoffs. Yeah, and one of the other, it's not obviously as high profile as the issues with how they deal with Durant and everything else, is going to be how players like David West approach the significant amount of garbage time this Warriors team is going to have. You know, like, is he going to want to be out there to get some reps and to do all that, or is he going to want to sit? They have enough guys to do it either way, but those kind, that kind of, if you want to call it ego management, is going to be important with this team because throughout the season they are going to have minutes to throw out there but they might be kind of sporadic i have a feeling david west will be perfectly happy to chill on the bench and let uh let uh, damian jones and kavon moody and pat mccaw run around if they're up 25 in the fourth quarter yeah mcadoo um, mcadoo you know, might be an important david, part of that as well sure mcadoo i was thinking of mcadoo too right james mcadoo like uh, david west is there to win a ring i mean he he's he's going to be their first guy first big off the bench but I, I don't think he's going to be too upset if they're – no, I'm sure he'll play some in garbage time, but I have a feeling he'll be perfectly happy to let the young pups run around. He can, he can save his legs for a game that matters. Right, and, and he has the experience and the judgment to understand what that means. And, and, you know, he had to deal with that kind of issue with the Spurs last year. I mean, the Spurs, won, they blew a lot of teams out, and he ended up being a, a much bigger part of their regular season than their postseason. But he was a substantial positive for them, and I was very impressed with how it seemed like he didn't really make any waves for going into that role. And somebody else I wanted to mention in terms of the, the character of this team is that I, I have very little personal interaction with him, but I feel like Zaza Pachulia wound up being a positive fit. In one of the, one well. of the best guys, one of the best guys in the league. Zaza is just a fantastic guy. Just fantastic. And for, from a team building uh, perspective, he's really great. And from a team building perspective, to get Zaza and David West, Zaza for the room mid level exception, which is you know under three million, and David West for his minimum, is huge because not only are they great fits in terms of character, but they can also actually play basketball. Yes. No, and, and I, I mean, I thought that the Warriors getting Zaza Pachulia was one of the moves of the summer. I mean, it really was. And, you know, in many ways, it was just as important as them getting Durant. Now, obviously, getting Durant is the more important one. But, you know, people can people could just say, oh, you can play small all the time. And, you know, you got Draymond, play Draymond at center and, and Kevin Durant at power forward and things are going to be great and you don't have to worry about ever playing big. That's just not really realistic. I mean, you, you need to have – you need to have depth at every position if you're going to win a title. I mean, the biggest, the, one of the biggest reasons why this, I think this team is so well set to be so good this year is that the, uh, um, the, that, the, like that Miami Heat team back in 2010 and 11, because of the way they had to build that team, they had to go get LeBron and Chris Bosh to go with Dwayne Wade, and then they basically had no money left over. So those guys took a little less money, and they went out and they got uh, Mike Miller, and they kept 
Udonis Haslam. But the rest of their team was a bunch of guys who were at the end of their career. They had Mike Bibby playing there. They had Carlos Arroyo playing there. They had Eric Dampier playing there. They had all these guys that, that were just shot. And, and then Miller got hurt and Haslam got hurt within like the first month of that season. So then it was really just the three stars and a bunch of, you know, guys at the end of their career are super young guys who hadn't done anything. Like they just, they just was, they didn't have enough depth. And the fact that the Warriors went out and got David West and Pachulia, they could keep Iguodala, they could keep uh, Livingston. Um, you know, they, they had, they had the ability to not only have their core, but also have their depth guys to go with it. And that's going to allow them to, to be in such a stronger position than, than that heat team was to, to withstand anything as the year goes on. And that understanding is a big part of the reason why, if the difference is at like a couple million dollars, why I'm completely convinced Durant will basically choose to take a little bit less so that they can retain all these guys. Because that, that we don't know exactly what the system is going to be, but realistically, that's like if the rules don't change dramatically for Durant by by opting out and then but basically taking his cap hold instead of his full or taking what he's allowed under non bird instead of early instead of going for his full max that will allow them to keep Livingston would allow them to to keep Pachulia and all those other guys depending on how much money they want and he will probably go through this year and realize how important it is on a stacked team like this to have that kind of depth. Yeah, I think so. I just, at this point, it's, it's just, I agree with you to a degree, but I, I'm going to wait and see how this year plays out. Not that I think he's going to, not that I think he's going to try to leave, but um, I just, I, I, I won't be surprised if things look radically different when the new CBA is in place. So that, that's also, you know, it's kind of hard to game out, but yeah, but you're right. I think if, I think if I think if we're assuming for this discussion that they're going to make some changes, but it's largely going to be a similar system with similar structures, then then yeah, I think it's I think it's more likely than not that you know if Durant has to take a, a small about money less to to allow them to keep a guy like Sean Livingston or or keep him in Iguodala or however it however it works, then I think that he'll uh, I think that he'll be willing to do that. And so the last guy who really fits firmly in the power forward box and is openly a kind of question mark going into the season is Kevon Looney talented guy one year at UCLA did pretty well so let me it, ask you let me ask you a question about him Danny sure because I, I I haven't had a chance to look at it so um I'm I, I'm sure any listeners of this podcast know that that he had surgery on both hips uh first one and then the other uh during before and during last season is he is he healthy right now what I've Do we heard know the last like he's able to participate in camp or anything the last thing i heard is that he was hoping and expecting to be ready for the start of the regular season now that was like a month ago so i don't know if that if that was meaning like he'll have to use training camp to like kind of maybe like be on the side or something like that or if that was just kind of their way of hedging it but right it's going to be a challenge for them and also because the Warriors, you know, if we want to use the analogy, like, let's say in baseball of like uh, somebody who eats innings, like they don't have a ton of guys at the big man spots who they can just throw in there to sop up minutes. And it would be great if Looney can do that. You know, if he can be that player for them whenever they're up by 20 in, in the fourth quarter, just say, hey, come on, you go in there. But he's going to have to be ready for that. And it's going to be a different road for him. But I think that would be really helpful for his development because that also puts him up with the main club. Yeah, I mean, he's an, intri- he's an intriguing guy, right? I mean, he, like you know you're a UCLA guy. He was a guy that uh, going into the 2015 draft was thought to be someone who was going to be somewhere in the early to you know, somewhere from like 12 to 20, roughly. And uh, he got red flag for some hip issues, which obviously came to be uh, – 
uh, prescient later on. But but the Warriors basically took him at 30 and said, we're going to redshirt him for a year. And, you know, if he can give us anything great, but, you know, this is a guy that we can get with the 30th pick that shouldn't be there. And if we can rehab him, then then we could have something on our hands here and that could really help us. So, um, you know, you're right. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got uh, Verajao and McAdoo at, at, at more of the center spot. And they've got, you know, David West and Draymond ahead of him power forward. But, you know, if Lo- Looney is big enough and long enough that, you know, if he, if he could, you know, get healthy and realize some of his potential, he is a guy that could play a little bit at both big spots, could give you a little rim protection, can shoot a little bit. Um, you know, would be a guy that, that could be very useful for them in their scheme. And, and yeah, I mean, I think in a perfect world, you know, if they could, if they could see him develop a little bit this year, then maybe next year he's, he's the David West and he's their backup. Uh, he's their backup power forward making, you know, a million bucks. And you know, that's, that's could, exactly where I was going. Could, is right, that, is that right. if I mean, he, if that, that's what, if that works out, they're in great shape. Right, and so what what the Warriors are looking at with both Looney and Patrick McCall, and ideally with with Damian Jones if he can make it back during the part of the season, is if they can get players that they can slide in as being an expected part of the rotation. They don't have to make it definite because what that does from a cap management standpoint for Bob Myers is it allows you to focus your resources other places. That does not mean, oh, we're not going to take another power forward at all. But it's saying, okay, we don't. This isn't our biggest need, and that's a really big change. And something I want to mention is that while I didn't get to see too much of him in person, something I heard from people who know things is that Looney looked really good during that gap between his surgeries. Like that, he was he was doing well. He was like he was playing with poise, and he and he was doing it. It was just that you know he wasn't all the way there physically, and that you know he had to have that surgery. And it's very good that he showed that, and he showed a little bit in summer league last year as well. And so. If he can put it together, even if it's not in the first like couple months of the season, but you know around the All Star break, if he's looking a lot better, that fundamentally changes the way the Warriors approach next off season, and that's important. You know, like when you have as many talented players as the Warriors do, who are going to cost money, and once Steph Curry signs his new deal, they're not going to have flexibility anymore. That you need to squeeze everything out, and we talked about that Miami team. That was something that they were able to do eventually. It's something the Clippers have done very well eventually, though they've gotten some of the big decisions, well, medium decisions, wrong. And so it will be important to get some of those right because that is what make that's what gives you the buffer to make sure this doesn't all fall apart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you the whole point of having. You know, if you can hit on a draft pick from 21 to 30, which is very hard to do, um, but if you can if you can hit on a, a, a back end of the first round pick or a second round pick, you know, that the, the whole point of that is it gives a good team a good player on team control for a long time, and that and that at a very cheap number, and that you know if you can if you can turn Kevon Looney and Damian Jones into into two rotation players, even if it's just for the last two years of their rookie deal. Then you're you're making out because you got you know combined four four or five years of service time on rotation players for a combined four or five million bucks. Yeah. And if you do that, then that that's that's a dream scenario for going out and trying to maximize your money elsewhere. 
one standard that I've thought about for team building is that if you can get a rotation player at minimum every two years from a pick 21 to 45, you're in a really good spot. Like that doesn't guarantee you're going to have a good team. I think teams would, I think teams would take one every five years, let alone yeah. every two. If you can get if one you, every, if you can five, do it every two years, you're in great shape. Yeah. And I'm drawing, I'm drawing a low line. Like if you, if they can capably play like 10 minutes a game, like let's say Ian Clark was like, I would consider if he was taken in that range and, and everything like that, of course he came to the Warriors as a free agent, but if he were taken in that range, I would consider that like a success at that level. Then there's another thing, which is like, if you can right. get a starter or like a, you know, let's say like a seventh man or better. So somebody who would be in a playoff rotation right. every five years. Yeah. Right. You take that any second. That's, that's why Rudy yeah. Gobert is so insane. It's because Rudy Gobert right. was drafted late, drafted late, came over that first year. Like that was part of the reason he fell was that people thought he wasn't going to come. And I will mention, as I do every so often, that the Warriors could have drafted him and didn't. But yep. they so yep. so you have a yep. guy like that. He comes over immediately. You get him for nothing for four years. Then you get a nothing cap hold, and you get full match rights. If you can get that, then you've hit the jackpot. Yes, exactly. You know, that's, Chandler, Chandler like Parsons Lee is another one. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, Chandler Parsons or when David Lee was, was the 30th pick by the Knicks or when uh, um, Serge Ibaka was picked 24th or, um, you know, any, any of those guys. If you, uh, if you, if you, can, if you can land uh, any uh, uh, starter quality player at 20 or later, Mason Plumlee with the Nets a couple years ago, like any, any guy that's a, a solid, dependable starter or better, that's, that's hitting a grand slam. Because you're 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 hoping you're hoping that you can get a guy that could just play for you after ten. Like yeah. you know, I, when I had I had Nate I had Nate Duncan, your your co-host on his podcast on on mine the other day, and, and we were talking about like, basically after ten in the draft, you're just hoping to get somebody that can help at some point. And if you get somebody that that can play, especially that late, I mean you're you're doing cartwheels because that 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 like you said before, it gives you the, the the flexibility to do all kinds of different things with your roster after that. And even though we're going off the Warriors reservation, I feel like this is a good point to make is that it's also where you get, once you get past 10, you, you really go into two camps. One is the more solid contributor route. And then the other one is the like high upside, high floor. And so the choice that is the encapsulation of that to me is Kelly Olynyk versus Giannis. So the Celtics went for the more right. sure thing. You know, Kelly Olynyk. it looks like he was right. going to be a rotation player. Maybe he could become a starter. It wasn't like he was a low-ceiling guy. He's a talented dude, especially if you consider pulling guys' shoulders out of sockets a skill, which maybe it is. But he's, <laughs> he's also a good player. And so so the Celtics right. chose him over Giannis because he you know, filled a position. And because with Giannis, it looked like if it was going to happen at all, it was going to take some time. And so there isn't really much blaming, even though I was higher on Giannis than almost anybody on the planet at the time. Yeah, I mean, Giannis, Giannis, Giannis to be fair, to be fair, to, a little fair to the Celtics, even though I agree I would have taken him over Linux then, and I thought so then. Yeah, I mean, Giannis was playing in, like, the third division or second division in yeah. Greece. Yeah, the, like, basically, like, an elementary school gym. Yeah, it, it was the parallel <laughs> I, I to Dante Exum. I can take the high floor guy. Yeah, like, Dante right. Exum had right. basically played high school ball in Australia, but the difference with Exum is yep. that he had played FIBA. So, you, like, we had seen him play, right. even if it was just for, like, six games, you had seen him play against right. people that would eventually become NBA players. With Giannis, it was flying right. blind. It was basically the idea of, you know, are you comfortable with this, you know, 
player who could be completely out of the league in two to three years and who, you know, considering his unusual background, you know, bouncing and being in Greece and everything like that and not playing against anybody, you know, like that you're going to be there. And I'm sure Ainge, even at that time, had high hopes for the Celtics and where they were going to go. And missing on another pick, I can't remember whether that was technically a lottery pick or right after. I think it was like 12, so that would make it a lottery pick. It was the 12th pick. They were the 12th pick, yeah. Yeah, so so I mean, that you, you get into those kind of circumstances. And to tie this back to the Warriors... There is this amazing. Oh, they, oh wait, no, no, I'm sorry. They were the 13th pick, I think. 13. I think. I think. You're, I think it was 13. And so. Yeah, it was 13. Yeah, was 13. Adam Adams was 12, and I went ballistic that he was still on the board. I love Stephen Adams. Still do. <laughs> and so you, you. This is why. Why this gets back into the idea of value and everything else. Is this thing that what happened with the Warriors was they took Festus. Azili at 30 for a couple different reasons. One of them was because they were more confident that Green was going to fall to their next pick than Festus. But the other part of it, I haven't heard this definitively, but it's kind of been in murmurs throughout the years. You might be able to confirm it better, is that they wanted that extra year to figure out how good Festus was going to be. And that's a big part of why you want somebody on that rookie scale contract is that it's four years. And so, yeah, it would have been great to get another cheap year out of Draymond, but having to decide on Festus Azili after three years would have been tough. Yes. No, it's, it's very true. I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of calculations that go into where teams pick guys. And if they pick guys in the second round, how many years they give them, whether they give them two years or three years. I mean, all that, you know, all that, all that stuff, all, all factors in. I mean, it, they, a lot, a lot of thought goes into all that stuff before anybody, uh, anybody ever gets taken. One, because I, I give him credit on this, and there are people who listen to this podcast who won't know the story, Marcus Thompson, Barry News Group, told Bob Myers the night of the 2012 draft that the best player he took was Draymond Green. And Yes, he did. And that is one of the more <laughs> amazing calls. Marcus is very happy calls. to tell everybody that. <laughs> like that, that, is such a, that is such an amazing call, considering you know all three of those guys have been successes to varying degrees. Harrison Barnes just got a max contract. I mean, he's a different kind of player than, than Draymond, but that is a really, I, 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 every once in a while I sit there and it's, th- this wasn't hindsight. Like not only did I hear it then because Marcus and I are friendly, but you know, that it's absolutely, and because now he tells everybody on the planet, but it's completely true. It's, oh yes. <laughs> yes, he does. But yeah, it's completely, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, but yeah, the Warriors power forwards, they have this nice thing because they have, a, you know, they have an all-star, they have a, a, not, probably not a superstar, that's the other distinction we could make, is that he's an all-star but not a superstar, with Draymond, right. David West, who is an overqualified role player, and then Looney, who is this high upside guy. I think that if you're not going to include an MVP candidate or something ridiculous like those teams that have two starters at a position, that's really what you're looking for, is you have, you have somebody who's already at this higher echelon, who probably has a couple more years before things really fall off, then you have a young guy who has the potential to eventually become either a rotation guy or maybe even a starter down the line. And then you have somebody to bridge the gap. Like, that's really, if you were building a team, that's what you would want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, it, it, is the exact, it is the exact perfect scenario. You have a, a starter, a backup, and a developmental guy. And that, you hope the developmental guy becomes the backup. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the hope. And that, you know, it, you're right. It's a, the, Warriors, the Warriors are in a nice position where they not only have, obviously, this great starting lineup, but they've got enough depth um enough depth behind them that they can uh that they can that they can have it set up that way with some young guys in a few different spots to hopefully grow into more playing time as things go on i'm sure we'll talk about other stuff in the near future but any other things you can think of on this power forward group that you want to share 
I guess the only thing I would say is, is I'm very fascinated to see what happens with Draymond Green this year. Uh, he had a very tumultuous summer on a variety of levels. Uh, he had the incident in, uh, in, in Michigan back in East Lansing. He had the incident with his phone. Uh, he had a couple instances of just running his mouth a little bit. Obviously, the Warriors didn't win the championship. Um, you know, Kevin Durant now comes in. He didn't play in the Olympics. He got to sit next to Harrison Barnes on the bench and watch basically the entire time. Um, so I'm very fascinated to see uh, what version of Draymond Green shows up in uh, it uh, shows up this season, and it's it's going to be really really interesting to see uh, how he how he how he adjusts to all the fame that is coming at this Warriors team and all the attention and. The, the ways that could potentially impact his role on the team and specifically some of the stuff he does on offense because I bet he's going to handle the ball less and he's probably not going to have as many assists and so he's not getting the triple-doubles all the time. And I'm just very curious to see um, how he how he adapts to that and, and, and handles that and, and what ramifications that has if, if he doesn't handle it well. There are a lot of things to take in with this team and – the fact that you're taking a team that was so immensely successful last year, but also suffered just an all-time disappointment at the end of that, and that they're still coming to grips with that. Sam Amix, excellent reporting recently with that, and we'll hear a lot more of it over the next couple of weeks, is hitting that. But you also have this team that was so successful adding a bona fide MVP candidate and how that affects things in a positive and a negative way. And Draymond is the catalyst for that for a couple reasons, but the most obvious one is that he actually talks to us. So we'll actually get a better sense of it because that's something that's something that yeah. he's more open about. Yes, no, that's true. Draymond can't keep his mouth shut even if he wants to. So he's gonna he's he, he's a great guy to he's a great guy to cover because he always is gonna have his heart on his sleeve and he's always gonna speak his mind. And and that and he's he's gonna be speaking his mind this year too. So it will be uh it will be very fascinating to see how all that plays out, and uh, it, it should be it should be a very interesting season. Even though, uh, if only there were more more people with microphones coming to cover the team this year, because then we could re- then we could really have some <laughs> coverage on it. Thanks again to Tim for taking the time. You can read him at the Washington Post, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. That's T I M B O N T E M P S. Great follow on Twitter. Great writer, of course, and was a lot of fun to talk with him about this. And thought his perspective was a very good one for thinking about this group and really where they fit in terms of the Warriors and everything else and the overall questions, you know, also how, how Durant's going to do his his idea in terms of that that will be minimized is something that listeners of the show or with readers of my work will know that I agree with just as a regular season construct and then you can unleash it when you need to in the playoffs. And for those of you who enjoyed this podcast and enjoy Tim, we actually, right after this, recorded another podcast which will air next week, which was not as time sensitive, you know, not within the structure of position week on expectations for the season, what we could see in the next collective bargaining agreement, and a lot of other stuff. It, w- it was great to do that. He's actually in the process of driving across the country and he's going to be covering the Warriors from up close this year, so which, which is very exciting. He knows them well and has been following them plenty, but to have him around for selfish reasons is going to be great, but also to have his voice in the Warriors' conversation more regularly is, is definitely welcome. And so it's another great reason, if you don't already, to give him a follow, but you, you certainly should anyway. Tomorrow, what will be Friday, will be the final uh, final episode of Position Week. It has already been recorded 
which I'm sure for some listeners is frustrating, but that's the nature of the business is you want to make sure that you keep a, keep a schedule with something like this. That's a daily show. And that is with Jonathan Sharks of the ringer. It was a, a really fun conversation on the centers. So we go through all the guys. And so if you want to listen to that, it will come out, you know, about the same time tomorrow. So Thursday night going into Friday morning, depending on what part of the world has, it has you at the moment. And, that that will turn out well, and for those of you who enjoy listening to me, I will have a new Real GM Radio that will come out eh, around that same time, probably actually a little bit later on Friday, and as I always do with Real GM Radio, I won't say the guests, but I'm guessing that you will enjoy it. So, if you have any input on this show, the best way to do it is to get in touch with me. You can reach out to me, uh, Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X on Twitter, or MBA at gmail.com. I read everything, respond to as much as I can, and your input will matter more as we get into the more flexible part of the schedule, especially before the season really starts, because game recaps will undoubtedly be a big part of this. You can also follow Locked on Warriors on Facebook at Locked on Warriors. You can go to LockedOnWarriors at gmail.com if you want to send an email to the show for whatever reason, if you prefer that. And you can also follow us on Twitter, LockedOnDubs. As of right now, I'm trying to keep it a very straightforward thing so it doesn't clutter your feed, which makes it even an even better follow because it will really tell you when episodes come out. So if that's something that you're into, you can do that. You should also be able to get Locked on Warriors on your favorite podcast players, whatever that is. And if there is something that we are not on and you think we should be, let me know. That is not necessarily my forte, but I can ask other people. And I'm thrilled to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And another part of that is that we have NFL shows. So if you are a Raiders, Niners fan, or some other NFL team, we can do that. And there are excellent Locked On podcasts all around the NBA. So we'll, I'll be sharing my time on some of them as well. But you can listen to them, and you should listen to them for in, insight into any number of things. I'm personal friends with a lot of the hosts, and I know they do really great work. So you can check that out however you want to. Whatever player you use, we're trying to make the Locked On Network accessible to that. And I know I've had some people ask about Stitcher, and I think that's in the process right now. I'm not completely sure. It's outside of, outside of my price range for right now, but I, I definitely do want to figure it out. Sorry, outside of my pay grade, not outside of my price range. And so that's in the process. I know I know that much. That That's all I really know. But I, I'm hoping that will get done relatively soon because I know that's how some people like to listen to the show. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.